three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to System and Soul. Chris White and Benj Miller here. And today we are actually the guests for our episode. Uh, and we're going to go deep on the S2 model. So Benj, why don't you kick things off? Uh, where would you like to start this conversation? Well, we're going to start right at the beginning. If you're looking visually, I'm so visual. So it starts with design. And design is the ultimate expression of what we get to do as creators, creators of, of value, creators of vision, creators of the future is design. We get to design what we want this company to do. And we have three elements in design. So here's what we're gonna talk about today, Chris, these three elements, the structure and how we design the structure of the business, the processes, how the work gets done, how things flow and bets. And bets might be a new idea for some of us, um, but it's actually not new. We, we do this subconsciously. What we want to do is bring it to the conscious and start having really good conversations around it. So let's start with structure. Uh, you know, we don't need to deviate from something that's been proven. So a Scottish American engineer in 1815, you know, we're going way, way back <laughs> here, a couple hundred years, Daniel right. McCollum, he created this thing, at least it was the first known person to do it. He created this thing called the organization chart. And over the years, it's evolved a bunch of different ways and even gone into hierarchical, which was the way it was created. There's right. these matrix organizations, there's right. flat or horizontal organizations. But typically what we see when, when companies design and they design for scale, right? They're designing for growth. They want to yeah. elevate other people we get into a hierarchical matrix, which sounds bad, but creates a lot of clarity. And uh, you're one of the masters at helping companies do this. So, so talk about some of the key elements when we create the structure for our companies. Sure. So when, when, when we're working with system and soul clients, you know, we go to work on the very first day. And one of the very first tools that we, we have to do is the organizational chart. And so we do it with the future in mind, right? six to 12 months out, we already know how we're designed today. But to your point about growth and scaling, we've got to forecast out at least uh, to the end of the year, what our needs are going to be structurally. And there's a, there is a process to this and it's really simple and it starts with designing the structure, right? The, uh, the hierarchical structure where maybe you've got a visionary seat and operator seat, uh, and then you have your core functions, right? And those core functions report to the operator. Once you get the, and let's just start with the C-suite, right? The top of the accountability chart. We won't go down departmental yet. So if we're staying at the top and we've got these uh, core functions, visionary, operator, sales, marketing, ops, and finance, right? A basic org chart with core functions. The cool thing that we do that I think uh, adds more value and, and specifically more clarity are the bullets that we put inside of each one of those functions. And it starts with the mission of the seat. Every function in the organization should have a mission. And that mission provides sort of that overarching view 
of what's important and what has to be accomplished if you're the person in that seat. So once we establish that, then we have KPIs. So the seat is going to have one to three KPIs that they are, that they have to drive and own uh, in the organization. And then we add three to four major roles and responsibilities uh, to provide even more clarity. So when you take the summary of the vision, the KPIs and the roles and responsibilities, that just provides clarity, clarity to the person who owns the seat, but also clarity to anybody else in the organization who happens to be looking at the org chart. They're gonna get a fundamental baseline understanding of what that seat does by reading its mission, understanding the KPIs and the few roles and responsibilities. Yeah, there's a, there's a temptation that I've seen happen over and over when people start to create the missions for these seats and, you know, we let people work and think for a few minutes and we come back and you get this like 20 word run on sentence and it, the, yeah. the longer it is, the unclearer it gets. Well, you know, that goes back to all corporate America with their multi-paragraph mission statements, right? Right, right. So, you know, I'll literally let, let them process, read it, and I'm like, so what you're saying is your mission is to create revenue. And they're like, yeah, that's it. Create revenue. That's good. Let's write that down. You know? So it's like, let's not overcomplicate this idea right. of mission. It doesn't have to be the most inspirational, you know, get it on a tattoo type thing. It's like, right. if in the clearest form, why do we have this function? Well, we have to sell some stuff, right? So sell some stuff. That's your mission is to sell some right. stuff. That's right. Um, so just yeah. getting clear on that. And then I love, I love how thinking about the, the KPIs actually make us focus on what matters versus the roles and responsibilities. And the roles yeah. and responsibilities, we could list off 20, 30, 40, whatever, sure. you know, it could be endless. But when we start with the KPIs, we start with what really matters. What are we going to measure? And then how do we, you know, let's put that in a couple of words for how do we define it? Uh, one of the things that we love, Chris, is this idea that anybody who manages people needs to have a primary responsibility to what we call it car or drive your car right. right and car is an acronym and this is what we should be doing as leaders and managers for our people we want to give them clarity that's the c is clarity and it starts right here with this structure of, of the that's right. organization which goes down to the structure of your team you know further down but if we create clear clarity, we create an um, enablement, which the second word is autonomy. So we want people to be autonomous. If I have to manage half of my people's time, then I can only manage two people. <laughs> you just made me, I don't know who said this. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure our listeners, somebody out there is going to know who said this. And if you know, hit us up because I, I legitimately don't know who said this. But it, the saying is, the minute you feel like you have to manage someone, you've made a hiring mistake. Yeah, no, it, it was Collins or Drucker. Well, um, it had I've, to I've be, got right? It in notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's one of the the. Old but it's true ones. though, right? Because it, it it's you know, we see great leaders, you know, the way that they. Um, work with their people, their direct reports, right? They're shoulder to shoulder, but the, the, the great leaders, you know, they set people up for success and then they get out of their way 
And that's, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Attention visionaries and integrators. Are you doing everything you can to push your leadership team to its greatest potential? If you've read the book Rocket Fuel, written by Gino Wickman and Mark C. Winters, and you're already operating with Rocket Fuel, or maybe you're just looking to get started, then we have the place for you. Introducing Rocket Fuel University, a robust community of visionaries and integrators and those who want to help them succeed. You'll have the ability to connect with other visionaries and integrators who are facing the same challenges you are. Tapping into the experience of others will help you get there faster and with less pain. You'll be able to implement the Rocket Fuel structure more effectively. Rocket Fuel University members get exclusive access to live Q&A meetings presented by the Rocket Fuel leadership team. Get unstuck when you're up against something that you're not quite sure how to handle. To get started, visit rocketfueluniversity.com. And if you're really serious about making your VI duo truly great, register today for Rocket Fuel University. That's rocketfueluniversity.com. It's, um, I find myself in session rooms talking about the monkey a lot. Yeah. Familiar with that? Yeah. So one minute from, manager meets the monkey. Yeah, that's it. Right. So, no. um, we, we don't, we, because we are high capacity people, it is our natural reflex to take people's monkeys. I can solve that. I can decide right. that, you know, that's right. why we're in leadership is we have the ability to make those decisions. But if we're going to grow our people, we need to teach them autonomy which means yeah. teaching them how to deal with, you know, their monkey. I love your one, three, one. You're going to come yeah. to my office with a monkey. You better be able to state it one sentence, give me three options and give me your opinion on which one you should do. Right. Then we can have a, a real conversation. All right. So we have clarity, we have autonomy, and then it's results, right? We don't just set them up for success and wish them well and hope it goes well. Right. We want to measure and we expect results. And those are, you know, the tough conversations that we need to have uh, if it's not going well. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna, I wanna the the KPI thing. Here's the 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 cool thing um, that we do uh, when we're with our system and soul clients is, you know, when we're doing the org chart, and 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 this is a really good, it's it's I guess you could call it a hack if you want, but when we go through the the steps of creating the organizational chart, right? One of those steps, the final steps, we got to put the right person in the right seat. Right. And so that person has got to be a healthy fit for that seat. And, uh, you know, they've got to have the, the, the knowledge, the experience, the, the education, et cetera, et cetera, um, to get into that seat. But here's the cool thing about KPIs. When we put KPIs in these seats, we're not the ones putting the KPIs in. When I say we're not the ones, we don't put the KPIs in the seat until we put the person in the seat. Then we ask that person, okay, if, if you had to report three KPIs once a week to tell the senior leadership team how you're doing, what three KPIs would you choose? So this, is, this also goes into to buy-in and autonomy, right? The person who owns the seat, we're going to get their opinion on what they think is important. We're not just going to force these KPIs on them. They're the yeah. one who owns the seat. They got to have the, the buy-in. And so we include them when we start building that list of KPIs and choosing the KPIs because they're going to be the KPIs they have to drive. Well, and you can learn a lot about their capacity as a leader and their strategic thinking muscle when they have to do that because they're going to 
come back and you're either going to get something that feels really fluffy um yeah. you know like does that actually create the end result that we want or yeah. is that is that hardcore you know is it a is it something that tells us if we won or lost or is it something that tells us if we're winning or losing and yeah. that's that's a we'll get more into that when we get into the scoreboards you know in a later episode but uh you know building that that org chart remember the car create clarity create autonomy create results i mean we want to create clarity about what the job is but ultimately we have people in those roles doing the job and the you know rising tide lifts all boats so if we can make our people better then we create more capacity for the organization otherwise that capacity is going to be very expensive to create we're going to have to hire more people we're going to have higher turnover um, you know we're going to have people that are underperforming and we don't know it for a long amount of time so not doing that is very very expensive and if if you're listening to this and you're excited about creating an org chart because it gives you a sense of of power for all those people underneath you like stop wasting our stream that's not what system install is about we want to elevate uh humans and and what every single person brings to the organization all right we're moving to process uh you know, system and soul audience may not know this, but Chris, you actually wrote a book called Process Triage, how to build consistently repeatable, scalable core processes for your business. Um, so you're the master. So take uh, I don't know if I'm the master. Um, I got to mention uh, the my co-author, uh, Joseph Rosenberger, they call him Rosie uh, from Process Triage. And, you know, the cool thing about process, and, 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 and if, if you remember way back in the day when we started uh, 90, and we actually hired Rosie. Uh, Rosie's out of Kansas City. He came into Florida, and he spent a day with us mapping out our five-year picture for, for 90.io, the software. And it was one of the most amazing um, days that I had spent. I, I had never like wall mapped processes the way he does. Right. And there's, there's all different ways um, um, to, to go after processes and, and, and get them documented. But I really liked the way Rosie did it because it's a perfect hand in glove relationship to the S2 model. And so, you know, process is kind of a four letter word, I think, with entrepreneurs, they yeah. get a they get a little freaked out about it. And it's usually because of one and two reasons. They haven't documented their processes at all. Uh, or um, they have this interpretation that it's going to be a heavy lift. And, and, and it's really because they probably had an experience in the past maybe working for a, another organization or a larger organization where they tend to over-document. I certainly had that with Motorola. Uh, when I, when I, the last day at Motorola University, they handed me a three ring binder, 10 inches thick. And I was like, are you kidding me? This thing's a boat anchor. I use that to hold, hold open the barn door. Um, and so that was a, a, a classic example of uh, over documenting so much so that it became intimidating so that's not what we're trying to do with entrepreneurs right and so as entrepreneurs look we're, we're all in the mix we're all grinding it out every day and process usually is the last thing that they approach because of the things that i mentioned earlier so we just got to get over that barrier 
documenting process doesn't have to be this big, heavy, heavy lift. Um, like anything else, kind of like objectives, right? We set a 90-day priority, we set some milestones, and we just start chipping away at getting them done. And that's really how we can approach process, right? Um, when you build your org chart, and you identify the core functions of your company, and I'll just stay high level here, sales, marketing, ops, and finance. The idea here is you should have an overarching process for each core function. And the discipline is no process can be more than two pages, right? So you really gotta tighten that aperture and really look at it like end-to-end, -end, 30,000 foot view, you know, what are the 10 steps, right? Or 20 steps, no more than 10 bullets per page. So that usually, you get this big sigh of relief when you explain how we're going to document process. Everybody's like, oh, just two pages. Okay. We're not scared anymore. And then they get, they dive in and they really nail, you know, what are the top level processes each in that process? Each step might have three or four supporting bullet points to provide a little bit more context or clarity on the deliverables in each step. But once, imagine this, if you just each quarter for every department, just pick two processes to document, follow the two page rule and no 10 bolts per page, high level. And pretty soon you'll have everything documented. And then when you get your core functions documented, then you can jump down departmentally and apply the same methodology. The, the two, I'll give you two more reasons. I don't think visionaries are attracted to process. One <laughs> is they don't want to follow it. And if we have it, they'll have to follow it. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. They also don't realize how many processes they have and they follow in their own head. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like this, uh, I once heard an expression that if you have wild horses, you want to put the fences in the valleys where they can't see them. They, they feel like they're free. They can run around wherever, but somewhere down in the valley, there's a fence because we want to keep our horses trained in. And the boundaries actually create the freedom. They create the safety. Um, but you know what, just even in your, um, the subtitle for your book, the idea of consistently repeatable, then you say scalable. Like if we want to be able to bring other people in to do these things so that we can elevate ourselves to a, you know, more into our unique ability, more into yeah. our superpower, we've got to be able to pass this off. And it doesn't, you know, we get frustrated when we go, all right, now you're going to do this, but we don't give them any tools to be able to do it. Right. Well, and yeah. And it comes in. Yeah. So, so there's one more piece that we got to talk about here. Um, you know, back in the day, uh, uh, processes would come from above and they'd be handed down to us. And this is the process, right. Mm -hmm. And that had such a high failure rate. And so one of the, the, the really cool things that I learned uh, with my time with Rosie is uh, you've got to get the people who live, eat, and breathe the process. You got you to pull those people in because they're going to tell you everything that works really well, and they're going to tell you everything that doesn't. Um, they're going to tell you where the bottlenecks are, where things break down. And, and so when you take a team of people who actually run the process, they know it better than any executive, 
most executives probably have never run that process, right? And you put them in a room and they'll, they will figure it out. And this, this goes back to right. Um, buy-in ownership, accountability, uh, autonomy, right? Give it to them. That's another thing that great leaders recognize is that they delegate the, the, the process documenting down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One other um, high point of process before we move on, and the visionaries will like this, but it's one of the greatest tools that we actually have for innovation. And this seems backwards, but if we have a very clear view of what we're doing now, then we can look at opportunities along that process to make it better. And that's like the core of innovation. How do we make this better, more efficient, more effective, right. uh, be able to do it in less time with less people, you know, all those things. Uh, what are the steps we could cut out, right? But right. if we don't have the process documented, we can't get there because we always, we're doing it different every time or figuring it out right. every time. So, well, that's right. the, that's the, one of the, the, you know, process really kind of is sort of that um, secret ingredient, if you will, when, when, when you were talking about the subtitle of the book, um, people doing things their own way doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. If, if you, if you have people going in all different directions, the business can't move. It's stuck. Yeah. So we've got to get everybody you know, uh, pointed in the same direction, following the same process so that we can build that consistency, which leads to the repeatability. Now, typically what I recommend um, when, when you do document process, you're probably going to get maybe up to maybe two years potentially out of that process. But the cool thing is because the people who run the process, they also are the keepers of the process they own it mm -hmm. and they're the ones who maybe they'll have a conversation quarterly you know is the process still working or is it broke or any bottlenecks are we leaking cash anywhere so they take ownership of it and and because they are the ones who you know have all the information around the process they do a really great job in setting it up and it i've seen it typically can last up to two years um uh, when they go through it and then they get, they own it. They're constantly looking at it, making sure, you know, that uh, uh, people are following it, right? You gotta, you have to have the, the, the enforcement part. That's the other part of, of yeah. when you document your processes, you then as leaders and managers, we need to train and enforce process. Yeah. All right. Last uh, bullet in this section. Again, we're talking about the design of our business is best. And everybody out there that's, that has a company made a big bet <laughs> that this company had some value proposition. They could do things better, more efficiently in a different market, whatever it is, they made a yeah. bet. They put time resources, their own, their own focus toward it. And along the way, we continue to make a series of bets, some small, some big. And we do this subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And the exercise that we want to bring to the forefront when we think about specifically like annual planning or mm -hmm. long-term planning, you know, let's look three to five years out. We have a habit as organizations of just putting a bunch of good things that we'd like to see happen down on a piece of paper. 
what we need to think is the second level of that, which is what are the bets that we're going to have to make for those to become true? Right. You know, there's a big difference between I want to double this business in three years and I want to double this business in three months. Like that, that requires very different bets. Um, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to bet on capital. You're going to have to bet on, you, there's a lot of bets. Oh, sure. The, yeah. The speed will determine some of the level of bets. But when we think about how we make decisions, right, everything that we say yes to means some level of resources, time, energy, money, mo mo focus, don't focus is underrated, but mm -hmm. um, the resources that we put toward this thing, there's an opportunity cost. So if, you, if you're literally thinking about sitting at a poker table and uh, let's go roulette, roulette's probably a better example. There's what, 32 numbers, or yeah. we can go red or black. There's a lot of options and we can bet on all of them. But the return and the lack of return uh, by all that diversification is actually not that great. So if we can get really focused on what gives us the biggest return for the focus and, and only have you know three things, three things, four things in a year, and those are the big, big bets that we're gonna make. We're gonna put all of our resources there because there's opportunity cost to all of this. If we bet on black, it means we're not betting on red. If we bet on 32, it means we're not betting on 31. So thinking about strategic planning and strategic decision-making in terms of bet and really weighing risk and reward and opportunity cost can help us make better decisions as we design the future of the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I uh, uh, you, you, some people look ten years out, some look seven, some look five. You know, I, I it's real simple. It's long term, mid term, short term bets. However, you want to lay it out. Um, the, the 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 are we placing the right bets? Right, that's the conversation. Yeah. Whether we're setting up a long term vision or, or even just the year. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's a really good conversation when you when you frame it that way and you work with the, the, the leadership teams, they, they kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we met, we're making a lot of bets. And it's like, OK, well, let's let's harness that and, and let's get laser focused because they have to be the right bets. And, and, and you don't know 100 percent. Right. No, that's, that's it's, why it's right. a bet. But it's right. But we've got to make, you know, informed bets. Yes. And we have to have deep conversations about what's truly, you know, what it is we're trying to accomplish, whether again if it's five or three or one year. We got to get really crystal clear on those bets because you make a couple bad bets, we all know what happens. Yeah, for sure. It can go bad real quick. We have a tool we want to give away at the end of this episode. Um, so as you're thinking about bets, it might be a new idea. We've got a one-page PDF. So if you're thinking about an initiative, it's a a little grid for helping you process. Uh, whether that might be a good bet or not. And we'll have that in the show notes. Uh, hope you learned something today that you can go apply for your business as we get to design the future of our business. What I mean, that is the coolest thing right. to do, right? Absolutely. So don't be a victim. Go and take charge and design what your business looks like six, nine, 12 months from now in terms of structure, processes, and the big bet that you're going to make as an organization. We'll see you back next week for more System Insult. Yeah.